0: Hello, listeners. Welcome to our latest episode of our Leap Network How to Empower podcast series. I'm Chris Kier. Workloads and commitments will always increase and decrease, and deadlines and pressures are part of life. However, when we're not allowing ourselves the time needed to rest and recover, this will affect our performance and our well-being, both in our professional and personal lives. Managing our energy resources and listening to our bodies are important to help us to prioritise our rest and recovery properly to enhance our well-being and our performance. I'm very excited to be joined in our virtual studio today by our special guests, Emily Diamond, who is a 400 metre and 4 by 400 metre Olympic athlete. We're also joined by Dr. Michael Johnson, or MJ, who is the physical performance lead at UK Athletics, and lastly, we're also joined by Alex Cook. Uh, data intelligence partner at PwC who heads up our data partnership with British Athletics. Hi Emily, MJ and Alex.
1: Hi Hi, everyone.
0: Hi Chris. So we all know that giving yourself the opportunity to rest and recover both physically and mentally is important especially during times of change and uncertainty. Uh, As an elite athlete and for physical performance lead has rest and recovery become more important than ever or are athletes pushing themselves even harder? Uh, Emily can we start with you?
1: Um, I think uh, rest and recovery is certainly something that's extremely important for for elite athletes to to be able to manage and to to think about, because we, um, with our training, push our bodies and our minds uh, to the limits on most days with the training. So in order to be able to get our bodies to recover efficiently for training the following day or competitions, Um, we have to make sure that we're doing the best that we can once we're off the track and back at home or um, in between sessions to make sure that we're able to sort of be at our best for the following day. So like you said, it splits up between sort of mental and physical. So the physical things that, that we as athletes would be focusing on is things like nutrition, um, making sure that we're eating the best foods and um, preparing for the next session, but also helping our bodies recover from the sessions we've just done. So after a weight session, we might sort of um, make sure that our prote- protein intake straight away is we're getting sort of a good protein intake to help us recover from that weight session. And then we've got to also think about our sleep schedule, making sure that we're getting a good amount of sleep um, overnight and to make sure that that helps prepare, but also recover from the sessions that we've done uh, that day. So it's really important. I think with the times that we're in at the moment as well, um, the mental recovery and the rest um, from the media and everything that's going on in the world is probably more crucial than ever. And this sort of uncertainty that we're facing as leading up into the Olympic games, um, having that switch off, if you like, from the media, is really important. And some athletes, I think, more so than others, um, would like to take that sort of break away from the, the news articles that are surfacing around this sort of time. And uh, when
0: we spoke before, you, you made a great point about the the training on Christmas day, um, where some athletes will think that's a the day they're gonna get ahead of their competition. Some will take it as, uh, you know, I'm just gonna take the day to to rest and, and, and enjoy the day as a whole. Um, I'd just be keen to get your thoughts on that, Emily. And, and I, I guess, you know, how how does that compare between, I guess, when you're closing up to the Olympics or when you're in a really hard training regime? You know, my instinct naturally would be to enjoy the day, but it's really interesting to get it from an athlete's perspective.
1: Yeah, I think this really depends on the athletes and the the coaches that, that coach those athletes. Some um, wouldn't really have rest periods leading up to Christmas so we normally start our winter training if you like around September time depending on when we finish the season and the summer season beforehand so I normally start in September and with my previous coach we didn't really have any rest weeks or sort of down periods if you like in training leading up to the uh, to Christmas so for that when I was in that group we would definitely take a bit of time over Christmas to not only let our bodies recover from the training that we've done for the past three months, but but also our minds. And actually having a few days where you don't have to get up at whatever time in the morning to to traipse to the track or think about what you're eating the night before and prepping for the sessions and that sort of mental break, as much as anything, can is really important. Um, and I've always been one that having a few days off over Christmas um is really good for me personally I like having those days where I can just enjoy spending time with the family and then I get back onto the track on about on the 27th so I have two days off over Christmas and then come back on the 27th and I even just those two days sort of I come back and I'm I'm ready to go again if you like Um, But on the other hand, I know that some athletes sort of think, right, well, all my competitors are having Christmas Day off. So this is the time for me to, to get one up on them, if you like. And, um, and therefore they train on Christmas Day. So it it kind of works different ways for different athletes, but I've certainly always been one for, for wanting that mental and physical break over Christmas.
0: I'm firmly with you in that camp. (laughs) Um, Yeah. (laughs) uh, uh, MJ, from a, physical perspective, how important is rest and recovery for for elite athletes?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely key. I think that the, probably the way to think about it is whenever you do a training session, what you're aiming to do is you're aiming to train at an intensity that's high enough to stimulate an adaption. And then you want to be able to come back for that next session and be able to train again at that intensity that's gonna be able to stimulate that adaption be it strength, speed, fitness, whatever that is. Uh, So what we've got to do is make sure we can get the athlete back able to train at that intensity but also not do anything in between that's going to either reduce their ability to recover but also reduce their ability to adapt to the training session. So that's when we can think of certain things like there's some evidence that using ice immediately after sessions can blunt some of the adaptions so we have to be clever about what people do in between training sessions as well to make sure that they get back in a position to train at the appropriate intensity
0: i can't say i've ever competed at a, at a top level but i have had an ice bath and it wasn't overly enjoyable so my um, hat's off to all the athletes you can jump in there uh, you know willy-nilly um i, I guess MJ, I'd be keen to get your thoughts on and, and Emily touched upon it. I think it's uh, what sounds really key is, is listening to your body as an athlete. Are there any tips or, you know, uh, insight you can give us to how to perhaps we can better connect to our bodies. to really understand actually, you know what, now's a really good time for me to take a break and, and rest and recover.
2: Yeah. I mean, for us, there's probably, there's, there's big, uh, big rocks that we think about in terms of recovering and Emily's touched on a lot of them already in terms of uh, sleep, in terms of nutrition the other big one uh, is really lifestyle and understanding you as a person in terms of what actually stresses you versus what doesn't stress you so a good example may be difficult to do right now but going and uh, meeting friends you've got different personality types some people when they're put in that sort of social environment they actually find it quite a relaxing environment and i could actually help the recovery versus someone else who is more introverted and finds being in a group of people more stressful and that's going to inhibit their recovery. So it's really getting the idea of understanding yourself and getting an idea of actually how do you feel and being honest with yourself in terms of what is good for you for that process of recovery.
0: Actually, yeah. Since we last spoke, I've, I've really taken that on board. Actually, I, I think one of the bits you touched on was, you know, getting to know actually what you're doing after work. For me personally, if I've had a really stressful day at work, you know, what I often do is go and I'll play maybe some some computer games or something. But actually, that's not relaxing most of the time is actually quite stressful so I've really asked myself have I really turned myself completely off have I switched off am I really doing something that's actually restful and and recovering my 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 mental focus uh, I guess moving on to that point Alex outside of um elite sport how important is rest and recovery in our day-to-day lives
3: i uh, very much say so. um you know so I think uh you know when we talk about um rest and recovery what what is that well, it's the it's the response to stress um and you know that stress can be um physical or mental as um as emily described um and as, as mj said you know a little bit of stress is good right because um it's through bringing stress to um our body and our brains that that we grow that we adapt um and in the workplace um you know we we focus a lot on Development and you know, by putting ourselves into um, situations that are uh, stressful, um, some more than others, um, we learn how to adapt and cope with them and grow and develop. And you know, this is this is quite clinical. Um, you know, the the body is um, governed to a large degree by the autonomic nervous system. So it has it has two predominant states. You're either in stress or you're not. Um, when your body um, is sensing stress, then the sympathetic nervous system kicks in, and um, and that has you know physiological effects on on the body. So you, you know the most noticeable one that people will be familiar with is um, that the heart rate increases. Um, people get that little sicky feeling in the stomach, and you know that's associated with a decrease in digestive activity and so on. And and so whilst you know with an athlete the stresses may more you know be more physical. Um, and maybe in the workplace, they're typically uh, more mental, they show up in similar or identical ways in in the body. Uh, And and, and we can can manage this, and um, one, by increasing our ability to adapt, and two, by um, increasing our ability to rest and recover. So one of the uh, coaches at at British Athletics actually said to me once, he he was responding to a question of mine which was, it's a favorite question you know what's what's the what are the key characteristics of elite athletes and his response um the first one really surprised me because he said the ability to sleep and i was like what do you mean the ability to sleep and he said well one of the characteristics i spotted in elite athletes is that they can sleep for a lot longer than other people um and by a lot longer he means you know nine nine to ten hours sleep um so the ability to rest and recover um, because when you're asleep, that's the that's your, you know, your peak opportunity for rest and recover um, is heightened in elite athletes. And I think there's something for us to learn about that in, you know, from a, from a working perspective. You know, MJ said, um, you know, you, you need to uh, understand uh, what contributes to stress and and, and what doesn't. And um, for me, I think that there are three ways I look at my life, work, home and recreation, and there can be stresses in in each of those. Um, recreation, you might think, well, how is their stress? Well, I do a lot of running and it's actually quite stressful for the body. It's very good for me. And actually, it brings about some adaptations that, that you know, mean that when I am resting and recovering, um, you know, my body does that uh, perhaps better than a less fit person. Um, but what about other aspects of, of recreation, uh, socialising, for example? Um, if I go for a pint with my colleagues after work, is that restful? Is that, or is that stressful? And some of that will depend on the circumstance, some of it will depend on how much alcohol I drink, for example. Certainly alcohol is a a real stressor on on the body. Um, So what I find is when I consider those dynamics of work, home and recreation, I can then split my world into two halves. Restful situations and stressful situations. And once I understand that, then um, I can try and balance across the two. And that's really important because we all know what it's like when you get out of balance. Yeah. When you're stressed, you're tired, you're fatigued, you don't make sound judgments, uh, you're frustrated, you get shirty with people. Um, When you're well recovered, then you can perform at your best uh, in the workplace and at home with your families or indeed running.
0: That's really interesting, and, and God, I, I wish I had the ability to sleep for ten hours straight. That's for sure. I need to start working on that. Um, one of the things it would be great to discuss is, is how much of an impact data can dictate on rest and recovery that an athlete leads. And, and Alex, can you tell us about how you support athletes using data and the impact this has had, uh, the impact that this can have on their performance?
3: The um, yeah, the the, the human body is a uh, you know, for large parts, a closed system. Yeah, But the ways that we choose to work with that body over the course of 24 hours um, clearly can have a, a, a major impact on what that system can achieve. Um, you know, and with, a, with an athlete, um, whether it's um, Emily trying to you know, run around the 400-meter the, the track or um, you know, a jumper or, or a thrower, um, you can define um, the determinants of performance um there are certain um you know biomechanical um considerations that will um tend to help you know an athlete be uh, more effective at their chosen discipline than others um you know i I would never have been an an olympic high jumper i'm not not tall enough um and and certainly i I probably wouldn't have been a, a good sprinter either given the um the, the makeup of of my legs and muscles so I think um, you know based on some of those uh, key determinants of each each event uh, coaches and the sports scientists that support them people like MJ can focus on um, developing you know those those determinants that are going to be most important to that athlete uh, achieving their best so if we were taking something like um, lower body, uh, power, which is really important in uh, in Emily's event, then we can start to look at what contributes to her ability to produce power, which um, is made up of yes, for sure, her genes, but also um, her training, her strength and conditioning that allows her to build muscle strength um, and 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 exert the most power from, from those muscles, but also the way that she uh, way that she runs, um, frankly. And we take it for granted that you can just run, right? But actually, no, there's good ways of running and bad ways of running. Um, And Emily, over the course of time, will have perfected that. Um, And the neuromuscular pathways um, are continually adapting uh, to help her to run faster and faster. And, And the sports scientists like MJ will work with her to do that. Now, where we come in is helping them to use data to inform the interventions that they make in that training program or in that 24 7 lifestyle and that data can be things like you know simple as measuring um cross sectional um you know muscle area um or uh, measuring the the power that, that emily can generate from uh from her body um by testing on force plates jumping up and down um we can use data that we can collect on the track clearly in terms of um, not just things like split times, um, but also um, the cadence within which Emily's running. Um, you know how much time she's spending on each foot. Is there any um, disproportionality there, uh, and and so on? And if you look at the range of different data points that you can collect around that body system of an athlete, everything from nutrition through to psychology, from strength and conditioning to through to physiology and 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 medicine. Um, you know there are an enormous amount of data points and it's only when you start collecting a large body of them that you can start to understand um, what interventions in the t- training program or in the lifestyle um, are making the biggest difference to the performance of the athlete um so that's a long long journey you know we're starting to collect all the data now with various different athletes um and with the data that we have we can um, we can start to uh, you know, draw trends and analysis around what contributes to better performance or what contributes to uh, injury, um, but e- equally um, we know that as we continue with this journey at some point we will have all of the data that we need to genuinely understand what interventions make the biggest difference uh, and that's, that's the legacy that we'll be able to leave with the team.
0: That's just amazing, and, and MJ, obviously somebody who, who frequently interacts with the data, uses the, uh, the data in, in your coaching with the with the athletes. I, I guess how would the the use of data, and I guess you know how you would adopt that into your into your training programs? How, how would that uh, change over the different phases of the season?
2: So, one of the things that we will do with the athletes based at Loughborough twice a week will be we will look at their par scores in terms of their jump par, and how we do that is at the start of the season, we try to work out what's a normal fluctuation for each of the athlete. So some athletes, it's quite normal for them to come in one day and for their power to be quite down or quite up. Uh, For other athletes, they're very static. And what you want to know is what's the actual bandwidth for each athlete. So we use that single subject research design for our athletes to calculate what their variation is day to day. And then from that there, we can identify whenever we've seen a real change for each athlete versus something that may be just noise for the athlete. Uh, and that's just one end of the information that we'll give into the coach. So we'll feed that into the coach. Uh, I think as like, as Alex has said, it's, it's a combination of so much information for a decision to be made about whether the athletes recovered or they're ready to go or not. Um, that neuromuscular end of it could be one thing, We'll also gather information on sleep and we'll get perceived soreness data from that from the athlete as well so all of this information coming in along with the athletes feedback and how the athletes moving just allows the coach and athlete to make a decision on how hard they're going to go that day when it comes to the season itself it's probably a different it's a different ball game really especially whenever you get to a major competition like the olympic games because we can't vary how long they've got between heats and finals. So at that stage, it's really just about what can we do to get them back into an optimal state as quickly as possible. And that's when we'll throw all um, the bells and whistles at them in terms of the different recovery methods that you'd maybe see. That's where we'll use our ice, our compression, things like that, anything that's gonna reduce inflammation and get them back recovered as soon as possible. Because at that stage, we're not worried about whether they're adapting to the session, we just need them ready to go again.
0: <laughs> and, and Emily, thinking through your training schedule, how do you use data to support your, your performance?
1: We we use it in, in so many different ways in the sense that, so every, run, every rep that I run on the track would be recorded in terms of the time that I'm running. Um, even certain sections of the rep um, would be timed as well. So I could be sort of looking at my last twenty meters of all of my two hundred runs. How is that? How am I um, managing to maintain form and and speed towards the end of my reps? And how is there a point where I'm suddenly dropping off and and fatiguing in that? And then we would also look at it in terms of So a lot of athletes these days would have sort of devices, whether being phones or watches that can um, record general things like heart rate or even temperature. So that can be another really good way of working out if your body needs a little bit of extra rest. Um, So if your sort of body temperature is a little bit up or um, you work out roughly what your sort of average is if you like and then if it's sort of gone up a few degrees from that then that can be an indication of you need to take a little bit of a rest or your body might be fighting a a cold or something like that and that can be another really great way that we can feedback to our coaches and sort of say oh look coach my heart rate was quite high this morning it's normally 50 and today it was 56 or, or or anything sort of like that and then and you sort of might have to adjust sessions um, from re- getting that sort of of data and information. But on on the flip side of that, um, I've had sessions where I've had sort of some of my best sessions when my body has felt the complete opposite, and I've turned up to training in the winter with doms from head to toe um not feeling particularly reactive feeling fairly fatigued and tired from the week's training and actually i've come out and and had one of my better sessions so that can be a a sort of a way as well and sometimes you just need to like power through because if you if if we reduce sessions or um didn't do sessions for each time that we were retired or fatigued, we'd never train. I don't think I've sort of had a day where there's not been some bit of me that's been aching or or sort of hurting a little bit from, from training the, the previous days. Um, but it's finding out what's the norm for you, I think, and it's finding out the difference between a little bit of fatigue and something that's a little bit more serious. And once you sort of find that out about yourself, and that would change from person to person, athlete to athlete. So finding sort of that norm for you and then managing that and working out when you've kind of surpassed that norm um, is when you can sort of get into some really sort of um, important areas and in working out when you need to make any adaptions in, in your training.
0: Oh, that's amazing and I imagine Emily you've had your fair share of, of ice baths and uh, <laughs> are you, have, you, have you come around to the fact yet are you, have you are you still are, are you like me who takes about an hour to get into one or are you just straight in get it over with?
1: Yeah no I think I'm sort of known amongst my friends as being one of the pathetic ones when it comes to, <laughs> to ice I struggle to get into a cold swimming pool so an oh. ice bath for me, for me. um yeah i'm not particularly good i'd like contrast because then you can spend a little bit of time in a hot bath too so i would manage Ah, it in that way but i would only normally take them as as mj said in between uh races at competitions i don't i don't have an ice bath after my training um but in between competitions then you just sort of have to grit your teeth if you like and (sighs) and get it done (laughs) but i'm not a massive fan
0: no but well me and you both me and you
2: both um (laughs) But sorry, I was just going to say that's a that's a really good point with it as well, though, that if it's something you find stressful, then you probably don't want to be doing it because the whole concept of recovery, especially when we're talking about in training or in lifestyle is doing something that's actually uh, going to decrease the amount of sympathetic activity you've got or stress that you've got. And if you're finding actually the thought of going to have to get into this ice bath stressful, that's just going to add to the stress. So it's really thinking, again, about things that are going to enhance your recovery because you like doing them as well.
0: Well, there you go, Emily. Next time you're, you're stressed, just hop into a nice hot j- uh, jacuzzi
1: for a winner, for <laughs> yeah. a
0: bottle of bubbly. Well, that's well what, I'll just that's use that as an anyway.
1: excuse for my coach to be like, oh, no, I can't have a nice bath today. It's stressful. <laughs> I need to rest. <laughs>
0: And what I love hearing about is is the innovation in technology and how British athletics are benefiting from from the data and technology and sport and smart technologies come on significantly in recent years and it is more accessible. And it's become a staple device for many, myself included. Uh, Alex, how can those listening today make the most out of the data they can access?
3: Um, so I think what I'm about to say now is probably the most empowering part of of what we can describe here because. Um, if you were listening a number of the the different elements that um, Emily referred to doesn't require any specialist um, equipment or um, you know fancy gadgetry. Um, sure there are um, wearables out there that that can measure heart rate variability which is um, you know a very has a very tight correlation to stress and and they' and they're useful for identifying, when the body's stressed and when it's not, and, uh, and looking at patterns in your lives. Um, but like Emily said, you can also self-report. Yeah? So if I think about um, how I feel when um, I, I know I've been under stress, you know, I'll see increased levels of fatigue or um, irritability or lack of concentration. These are things that I can measure if I want to myself without any technology. Um, so I could simply, you know, create a diary, um, and each day write down the key activities that I did that were that I considered to be stressful or that I considered to be restful, um, and then just you know score those areas of fatigue, concentration, irritability, and look at the trends over time and start to understand what works for you because, um, you know, as, as long as. As long as you start to consider measurement, that is data, uh, and that tends to drive your behaviours as soon as you start thinking about something. Um, I'll give you another um, example. Um, I did use data for this, but in terms of looking at the impact of alcohol on uh, heart rate variability. And um, you know, if you drink even a modest amount of alcohol of an evening, your body doesn't go into the same level of recovery um, until some point during the night time. So the first few hours, first you know two to three, four hours of sleep are literally worthless in terms of your recovery just because you've had four or five units of alcohol. So once you know that, well, then you think once or twice about that second glass of wine in the evening um and and then your behaviors change and irritability decreases and concentration improves and and you feel a better you so um self-reporting and um keeping a little diary that would be my tip
1: i think but that as well alex um we mentioned earlier the the difference in the sort of mental and physical recovery and talking about how going to the pub and having a few uh, pints with work colleagues or or friends and family on a Friday night can not be great for for recovery but I think it's especially sort of from an athlete's point of view although we wouldn't necessarily be going to the pub and having beers on a Friday night if we've especially if we're training on on a Saturday but we might find that say Sunday's our day off in the week in terms of training that normally we'd be like right today's day off I need to rest and and recover so I'm not going to do anything but actually it might be more beneficial in terms of um the mental recovery of thinking well actually I I feel like I really need a break from I need to switch off from from athletics and and my training and actually today I'm going to go and and see my mum and go and have a coffee with my mum or go and have lunch pre-covid obviously Um, but And that although might mean that you're then in an hour, you're then in the car for, say, an hour or so, that might not be the best in terms of recovery. But the benefit you'd get on the mental side of doing something like that could actually counterbalance and counteract the the maybe slightly more negative um, effect it could have on on your physical recovery. But having the, the awareness that that's a situation can mean that you can then sort of put implications in place to to help with that sort of maybe slight negative impact it would have on your physical recovery whether that's making sure you've got water in the car so you're staying hydrated um, in case you get stuck in traffic or it might be when you get home from the long drive having an epsom salt bath to help your legs recovery if you've got a speed session the next day or like mj said we might have jumps testing so sometimes it's about finding that balance between doing stuff that might help with your mental side of recovery and and sometimes it's actually okay well, No, know the physical side needs to take priority today so it's finding that balance I think
3: no you're absolutely right and um being mindful just bringing some mindfulness to what you're doing and how that contributes to to stress or rest of recovery
0: and I love these top tips and listeners, there you go. Uh, MJ, any other top tips from you about finding that balance between physical rest, mental rest and recovery?
2: I don't know but finding the balance. I mean I, I think like there's one thing we talk about is like what you want and it sort of feeds into what Emily was saying there is you want the athlete to you want them have a state of stress when it's around training, but you want to actually be in a, a state of relaxation recovery immediately after that training session. And yeah, I completely agree with that the idea of actually going away, seeing something, taking your mind off athletics can get you into that relaxed state. It's a the whole thing about the analogy of have you heard why do zebras not get ulcers? Um the concept being that like a zebra it's it's in the it's in the you know, it's in, it's eating Um, suddenly a lion comes across, it has a stress response where it'll run away from the lion, and then once it's away from the lion, it's back to its original state. It's not thinking, basically, about the lion. It's not thinking about the lion or the next lion. It's just having a stress response when it needs it. And then it's into a state of relaxation afterwards. And that's the same sort of concept as you really want when it comes to stressful activities. It's yes, stress is actually good round the activity itself, but it's been able to get away from that stress and switch off. Uh, In terms of tips and things, there's there's a bunch of tips in terms of things around improving your sleep and building them into your lifestyle. So for example, you use the example of at nighttime playing video games and that that's potentially um, impacting on your sleep Well, one thing you could look at is those last three or four hours before you go to bed um, we've had athletes using blue light filter glasses so they'll watch tv they'll move about they'll play their video games and blue light filter glasses so they're removing that blue light which can uh, inhibit sleep for the last three or four hours to try and improve their sleep uh, before they go to bed Other things like if you have done exercise after work, so the nature of your job, you work late, you go to the gym later, the problem with that is it raises your core temperature and if you think about it, whenever you're really tired, you actually feel slightly cold that's because as you get tired, as you're getting ready to sleep, your core temperature drops down. So you can do things in terms of trying to cheat that as well, like actually having a cold shower or even just heating your hands and your feet because you're creating a gradient of heat from the core to the periphery and having the difference of the the periphery being warmer than the core again helps you get into that sleep state. So there's little like physiological hacks that you can actually add in to try and improve your recovery day to day as well.
1: I think there's um even things on on smartphones these days where there's a blue light filter that you can switch on and off so you don't always necessarily need the fancy glasses and um, you could just set a every day on my phone at four o'clock it's the blue light filter is going to come on which will just help sort of your mind get into that sort of sleep getting ready for the sleep mode
3: just one thing I'd like to add Chris I think before we close out is that um you know we're almost talking as if the workplace or um, the training ground is automatically stressful now I've had some days at work that I've thoroughly enjoyed, and they and they felt quite restful actually. Um, so I think trying to understand how you can deal with your working life or your home life or your training, whatever it is that that um, provides that stress impetus, how can you minimise the you know the stress impact um, that you don't want? Um, clearly, when when Emily's training, she wants a degree of impact to improve, but. Um, in a, in in work, I think it's kind of like what MJ was saying about the zebra, just being able to, which is a lovely analogy, just leaving it behind. Um, at, at work, you know, so many aspects of what we do bring us stress, but that's really our choice. Yeah, you know, it's how we interpret the environment around us, it's how we behave, um, it's how we respond to um, everyday activities, and if you can find ways to um, make those less stressful, um, whether it just be your state of mind, whether it be, uh, counting to 10, breathing more deeply, getting up for a walk between meetings, whatever it might be surrounding yourself with your favorite colleagues, putting a bunch of flowers on the desk, you know, these, these will all make a significant difference. And, you know, if you can reduce the level of stress, then as we've described, um, so the need for recovery, uh, isn't quite as, as extreme.
0: And what a lovely message to 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 wrap up on. And, you know, I love this podcast. It's just a shame we don't have all the time in the world to, to continue the conversation because I've got a million more questions. And, um, you know, I, I think we're we're just scratching the surface. But look, thank you so, so much, Emily, MJ, and Alex for sharing your stories and insights. And, and of course, thank you to our listeners. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Please get in contact with us. You can do so predominantly on social media using the hashtag PwC underscore LEAP. Um, you know especially if you have any questions for our panelists please get in contact we would love to hear from you to find out more about our partnership with british athletics uh, visit our website at www.pwc.co.uk forward slash british athletics thank you so much for listening see you next time